0: I sure enjoy that opening from Pixie and the Partygrass Boys kicking off yet another episode of Last Chair. Hello, Utah skiers and riders, and welcome to Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast, brought to you by High West Distillery, Utah's first legal distillery since 1870. High West's passion is crafting delicious and distinctive whiskeys and helping people appreciate whiskey all in the context of our home here in the American West. Join me this winter at one of High West's three must-visit locations in Park City and nearby Wandship. And thanks to our episode sponsor, St. Regis Deer Valley, one of the world's most luxurious slopeside resorts. This season, enjoy a unique dining experience with family or friends in the new Yurt Village or spend a day in the renowned Remed Spa. After you've spent a day dropping lines through the powder, a session at the Remed Spa or relaxing in one of the St. Regis' outdoor hot tubs sounds really inviting. One of the Utah experiences skiers around the world yearn for is to float through the powder of Little Cottonwood Canyon. To say the least, it's become pretty popular, as evidenced by the traffic heading up each morning. But what if you could soar above the highway in the peace and tranquility of a gondola cabin? Well, that experience actually isn't all that far away. Today on Last Chair, you'll meet a fascinating character. Chris McCandless is a skier who grew up in Little Cottonwood Canyon. As a kid, he cut his teeth skiing Alf's High Rustler in the winter and climbing Mount Superior in the summertime. The canyon has been his lifetime passion. And with the Utah Department of Transportation looking seriously at alternatives to cars on a highway, Chris has come forward with a very realistic plan for a high-capacity gondola. In this episode of Last Share, we'll talk about railways, buses, Gondolas, all of which are in the Department of Transportation's planned possibilities. But we'll focus on the concept of a Doppelmayr three cable gondola that will get skiers from the valley to Snowbird in just a little bit over a half hour. And that sure beats sitting in a car. I know you'll enjoy Chris and his innovative idea. Now let's join Chris McCandless to learn more about the future of Little Cottonwood Canyon as seen from the cabin of a high-speed gondola. Chris McCandless, welcome to Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast. Nice to have you with us today. Thanks for having me here. What I really loved when we came into setup for the interview today is that we each talked about how We Went Out This Morning and We Went Skiing. Isn't that what skiers are supposed to do?
1: That's correct, and, and we're not going to tell anybody about the secret little spots that we went down because then there'll be lots of people in those places. And uh, it, was, it was a great morning this morning, actually. Not too cold Brighton, light was great. And the snow, I had about two inches at Snowbird. How much did you have at Park City?
0: We didn't have any new today, but that snow from this past weekend really made a difference. The Just the surface conditions were just fantastic. We did the ski. We started at Park City base and we skied over through Quicksilver over to the canyon side and had a great time with uh, one friend from back east who was making his annual trek through the west and another longtime uh, Salt Lake native who lives up in
1: Park City who I ski with occasionally. So we had a great time. I know all those places. I spent a lot of time in Park City, but most of my time has been spent in little cottonwood, big cottonwood. But generally speaking, it's little cottonwood canyon that pulls my heartstrings.
0: Well, we're going to talk about that, but I I want to just, since you're on the topic of Park City,
1: you used to patrol at Park City. I was a volunteer ski patrolman, started in 1984, and uh, I think I ended in the late 1990s, 97, 98. Um, They gave me my ski patrol stuff and just said, just come back anytime you want. So I got to bootleg a couple of days um, past the day where I officially quit, but what a great experience that was. It was helping people and being on the mountain and gaining some knowledge that I would have not otherwise had that great experience because I've used that emergency medical care um, experience throughout my entire life. But um, of course, you know, there was that uncut powder underneath the lift at 7 a.m. that all ski patrolmen want to get to, whether they're supposed to or not. They're going to go get that powder, and so we did a lot of that. Well, we would expect them to do that. That, that was actually,
0: you were a volunteer patrol at that point, right? That's correct. Yeah, it's different now.
1: Yep. I don't think they have any volunteer patrolmen um, anymore in the uh, Wasatch Front or Back ski areas. Um, I think Brighton still has a few, but I, it was a really... A great period of time in my life. One of my favorite photographs is on my wall in my basement, and it's of about 45 volunteer ski patrolmen. We swiped the sign off a ski patrol shack and put it out in front of us, and at the bottom of the Prospector lift, we had us all there posing, and I look on those days with incredibly fond memories.
0: There's just such a great, fun history. I have done a, a bit of research, particularly the history in the Park City area, and it really is an amazing sport that has deep roots here in the state.
1: Yeah, I I uh I don't know if you want me to go into this, but I guess I will. So I started skiing when I was 9 years old. My dad gave me a pair of skis. I forgot to give me the bindings or the boots or the ski poles, so I had this pair of skis and in those days You had to extend your arm out really, really tall, and if you could touch the top of the ski, well, then, and the skis were too short, so these super long boards.
0: And narrow, probably,
1: too. And narrow, and no bindings, so um, my brother wasn't using his skis, so I stole his bindings off his skis, put them on mine, and uh, got his boots, which were about three sizes too big, and off I went. I headed to Alta, uh, where I hitchhiked to get a ride, didn't have buses or mass transit, and... It was a different world, and it's not a big deal. Excuse me, but
0: how old were you then?
1: Nine. And you hitchhiked? Oh, yeah. I lived in Sandy on about 13th and 86th. Me and my friend, uh, we'd go there every weekend and build jumps on a rope toe. We'd wear out so many pairs of gloves and make my mom crazy because, you know, you're grabbing onto the rope and going up and take shovels, build great jumps, try to impress people. I don't think we impressed anybody, but we thought we did. You know, and that was the fun part of it with her amazing prowess in ski jumping. And it just led from there. I never gave up. And so it naturally led me to the ski patrol After, after my friends got married and old. And I got married. I just didn't want to get old. So I'm still skiing as much as I possibly can. And it's been a great experience. And the hope is that we can help perpetuate this experience into the future for all of the generations yet to come.
0: We're going to talk about the gondola project that you're involved with, which is truly fascinating. And I know as skiers, we're all looking for something innovative and something that can protect the environment and create an opportunity to properly visit the canyons. And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But you grew up here on the, uh, kind of call it the south and east side of the valley. So Little Cottonwood was really your
1: home growing up. Absolutely. We spent a lot of days as youth in Little Cottonwood King. In fact, the wilderness was 9400 South, about 18th East. There was nothing there, and we'd camp and um, enjoy ourselves as, as young kids. We had a hill that was called Greenwood's Hill, and we'd get all these big rubber tires that were abandoned, put them on the hill in the wintertime, that was our night skiing. <laughs> We we'd cruise down that thing and zip in and out of those tires that were on fire and it, but it was a different place. There wasn't anybody out there. It was just us. And so from an American experience, that was one of my memories. Learning how to ski.
0: Just a little bit more on your background before we talk more about mountain transportation. You have built a career as in the real estate and the development and property management area. But you also got involved in public service and spent quite a bit of time on the Sandy City Council and also were the head of the Central Wasatch Commission for some years. What was your initial motivation to get into public service?
1: One of the city councilmen in Sandy decided to get transferred from Sandy to Texas, which left the spot. And I've been involved in public service in numerous different uh, community organizations. And I was asked by a couple of the existing city council members to apply to take his spot. So I was appointed, uh, which is a great way to win an election. You just have to get a couple votes from the city council and poof, you're a city councilman. Um, And from there, I was able to um, get on a number of different projects and committees. The one that I liked the most involved Little Cottonwood Canyon. And so we created relationships with our business organizations because if you take the, if you take the exciting part about Little Cottonwood Canyon in a way, which is the skiing and the hiking and the climbing and there's ice, and uh, it's just an outstanding asset for our community. And you, and you boil it down to the businesses that are associated with that. And as a city councilman, I have to represent everybody, which includes my business constituency. And so I felt like I needed to make sure that their interests were protected as well. And you take a look at all of the benefits associated with Alta Ski Area and Snowbird. And it's thousands of jobs. It's millions of dollars in payroll. Families depend upon it. If they don't have that job, if their interests aren't protected, which are our interests, well, then I guess I'm not doing my job as the elected official that I was... And I was in politics for fifteen years and on January one of twenty twenty I said goodbye. And I found my smile and it's still there. Every time I say that I can't help but smile. And I'm not I don't regret a single day of, of service in as a city councilman. And there was some difficult times. A lot of projects came across our desk at Sandy City at the time. It was fulfilling. I was part of the solution and I enjoyed that. And that help me formulate where we are at today with trying to figure out a solution for the transportation problems that plague the south end of the valley as it relates to Little Cottonwood Canyon 2 to 5 hour trans um transit times to get into and out of the canyon doesn't work we are we're ruining our asset as as
0: you look back to your childhood and growing up and utilizing that canyon has it been a particular passion for you to find a solution? You are a user of the canyon, and you're someone who has, has always sought to, to protect it. Was there something that really clicked for you that, that led you to a solution
1: like this? So after I quit politics, and I was no longer the chair of the Central Wasatch Commission, which was our Bible with the Central Wasatch Commission, was the Mountain Accord document signed by numerous, numerous people. It was an extraordinary undertaking to try and come up with a solution to canyons, and I say that in multiple numbers, um, problems, mostly the transportation issue. And I was a really significant fan of the Central Wasatch Commission's federal legislation where we tried to create um, some protections for the canyon itself, creating um, a larger wilderness area where an appropriate Areas and then coming up with transportation solutions. So the training ground for me kind of culminated up to January 1st of last year. What happened with me was they were looking at alternative solutions to the transportation problem, buses, trains, or a gondola. My first inclination early on was the train. As a city councilman, I wanted the train to go from Sandy to Alta, I thought that would be a great way to solve the problem. But as I worked, and the train and the buses are actually great options. Anything's better than nothing. We have to do something. and so. But as I looked at the gondola option and studied that, I was standing on the road at uh, Highway 210 or Little Cottonwood, and I saw this great big four-cell sign on January 2nd or 3rd of last year. And The property that is just west of that road, north of Little Cottonwood Canyon, had been listed for sale by a local real estate agent. And I knew the owners. And that's one of those things where it just kind of comes together. The owners were old ski patrolmen from Park City. And we had a lot of fun together. So I actually called the owners and said, what do you guys think? I'd like to put this under contract. I've got some ideas. At the same time, my business partner on a lot of different projects, because I'm a real estate guy, uh, had purchased Lakai and had amassed about 24, 25 acres, and it had its own challenges, and for a couple of years, he's been asking us to come in and help him with that, Um, and as a city councilman, I refused, because I felt like there would be a conflict of interest, and... um, January 2nd, Kevin calls me up and says, how about now? You're no longer an elected official. Why don't you and Wayne come over here and help me with this project? And that's the day I stopped and called Susan and said, and Kevin, this is an opportunity to solve the problems in the canyon because if we don't have this property, I don't believe the canyon's problems will go away. We'll just kick that can down the road because they wanted to put the gondola, for example, at the mouth of the canyon instead of outside of the canyon. Challenge with that is you gotta have a whole bunch of buses dropping people off. And there's no place to drop them off. So now I visualized, because I've been in construction and real estate for a long time, a freeway interchange there so the buses could turn around and head back out. Buses turning left is a bad idea. And um, I visualized the size of the gondola itself at the mouth of the canyon disrupting that incredible view of that glaciated aspect of the canyon. We can't put a big, tall, three- to four-story structure in the mouth of the canyon because then instead of looking at the beauty of the canyon, you're going to focus in on that building. And so I wanted to get it away from that area. Um, the next problem that I saw was, oh, there's a bunch of problems. I don't want to bore you with too many details, but I looked at the location of Susan's property. Susan, Eric, and uh, Shane, family members, were the, were the original homesteaders of that property uh, a long time ago. And this is the last piece that they have, or one of the last pieces that they have, of the original 640 acres that they homesteaded. And I said, if we put the Gondola base station here, it's outside of the canyon. It's not on federal land. It's not on Forest Service property. It's private property. And so then it, it takes it away from the canyon so we don't destroy the viewshed as people go into the canyon. And I mentioned this to you. I think that I think the Little Cottonwood Canyon should have been a national park. But that decision was made long ago, and so now we get to deal with what we've got left and try to protect it in the future from um, overuse. Quite frankly, and some of the challenges associated with having that phenomenal asset in our backyard. I don't know how long it took you to get to Park City this morning, but I'm guessing I had about 5,000 vertical by the time you got there from at Snowbird. <laughs> it takes me about 45 minutes to get to Park City. I'm not saying I love Park City. It's a great place, great city, great people great skiing. It just takes me too long to get there. And so 10-15 minutes I'm at Snowbird and I get to go skiing.
0: I want to talk in a bit about Little Cottonwood Canyon itself, but first I, I want to explore a little bit the whole concept of mountain transportation. And this is something that in my travels, particularly the times that I've spent in Europe with the U.S. ski team over the years, what has always impressed me is the culture of those mountain communities And they really understand mountain transportation. And mountain transportation isn't getting in your car and driving up into the mountains. It's getting on a train, it's getting on a bus, or it's getting on a tramway of some sort, be it a a gondola or some other type of device. Have you thought much about how do you change the culture of everyone to get to understand that we need to have a different way of getting around? I think this was addressed a bit in the Mountain Accord document which your Central Wasatch Central Wasatch Commission worked on is is changing this culture a big part of what we need to all engage in over the next decade or two.
1: It is actually and so part of the part of the Utah Department of Transportation's current environmental impact study that they're undertaking, which is a very expensive, very long process. And coming to the finish line actually um, addresses a lot of those things. And so motivation to get people out of their cars um, comes in a couple of forms. And and then that starts to create the need for that European element of transportation in the mountain. So let's just say it's a gondola, and I call it the Lakai Base Station. Remember, my friend owns Lakai, so I'm going to try and make him famous, right? So we'll call it the Lakai Base Station. If the Lakai Base Station is constructed, whether it's a train, a gondola, or a bus station, it becomes a multimodal hub, which is primarily what they have in Europe. They have different ways to get there. So for the Lakai Base Station, if it's a gondola, you can drive your car to the base station, park, In one of the 1,800 stalls that are buried pretty much in the ground. So you don't really have to see this gigantic, tall, six-story structure penetrating out of the view shed. It's in the ground for the most part. You park there, get on an escalator, get on the gondola. You're at Snowbird or Alta in about a half an hour. It's a cool ride. The other options would be you could take a bus from the mobility hubs being studied, which is the second part of that transportation plan. You could come from Big Cottonwood Canyon's uh, mobility hub or Sandy at Highland Drive and 9400 South, just ride a bus, get off the bus, walk into the um, gondola station, go to Snowbird or Alta. If you have the plan is today... That if you're a season pass holder, and I know Snowbird has 10,000 season pass holders, you just use your pass to get on the gondola. There's not a charge. So if the EIS by UDOT is accurate, and most of their materials that they've been talking about um, so far to date is about tolling the canyons, we have to do something to disincentivize people from driving their cars. Uh, I'm just as guilty as everybody else. I drove my car there this morning. It's just me in my truck. I could have taken the bus, but I took the car because I had no incentive not to. But if it was a gondola and I was going to spend a pretty good chunk of change paying my toll to get in the canyon, and i just show my ski pass to get on the gondola and go to Snowbird, I'd be on the gondola. Now well, I'm part of the solution versus part of the problem. Now, I do take the bus a lot, by the way, but this morning I did drive my truck.
0: I actually have been taking the bus up there more and more the last few years. The service has increased, and it has been a a good way to get up there. But I think I would opt for the gondola. Let's talk, though, about the road up Little Cottonwood Canyon. On a nice day, on a bluebird day, you drive up there, and you just think you're in heaven. There's beautiful snow-capped peaks Uh, rushing creek uh, off to your right. And it's just like heaven driving up there. And you don't think, though, about the dangers and the challenges that that road presents until it
1: snows. Right. So I heard this from reliable sources. I've never actually looked it up. Little Cottonwood Canyon is the most dangerous road of its kind in the world. So we got lots of people coming. Now we're going to put more of them up there on a road that's that dangerous. And the other alternative is to put them in a gondola. Now, the 3S gondola system by Doppelmeyer is the one that I personally like the most. Packs 32 people in heated seats. The glass is defrosted, so and it's floor-to-ceiling glass. You're seated, your skis are um, in a rack that's embedded into the floor. And you are flying above the pine trees, riding up that same canyon without the G-forces, without the problems of if it snows, if the traffic gets bad, is the canyon going to be closed? It gives everybody that confidence and a reliable transportation scenario to get me up there and get me back within 30 minutes because it's running all the time for me, that solves the problem. Secondarily, for those who want to drive, because there are those guys that will still drive, especially delivery trucks, those kind of guys taking materials to the ski areas and the resorts. Eighteen hundred. The gondola has the capacity, people capacity of about 4,000 people per hour, which is a peak hour need. And, uh, and if you're taking that kind of people up the canyon, you eliminate 1,800 cars an hour out of that canyon. And you still got to drive, or you still need to drive. You've decreased the congestion. You've increased the, the enjoyment of not having to deal with the red snake, as they call it, going either up or down the canyon. It's pretty brutal sometimes.
0: How is the route from Lakai? Up to Snowbird. And by the way, for listeners, if you want to see more detail, we will have this posted at skiutah.com so you can see some of the maps and the charts and so forth. But what is roughly the route from Lakai up to Snowbird and Alta?
1: So if you get on at the Lakai Bay Station, there's a big bend on Highway 210. Um, It's prior to the big bend because I really want to protect the view shed of that big bend. As you make that turn, you get to see inside Little Cottonwood Canyon, which should be preserved. So the Gaunt you get on the gondola. The first angle stations right there at the mouth of the canyon. From that angle station, then it's a straight shot up to Tanner's, and from Tanner's it makes another course correction and goes up to just to the south of the Cliff Lodge by the bypass road. And you get off there and go skiing, or you get off there and you go riding or hiking or whatever the whatever the entertainment that you're looking for, or just get off there and sit on the side of a hill and enjoy the day. You know, one of the exciting things I've not heard about that, and then for Alta, it goes straight up over the top of the hill and then back down into the valley just east. Now, these are all preliminarily um, locations, right? just goes to the east of gold miners, basically, and that's where the terminus point would be. And so... Um, for me, I think I get to enjoy the ride. Uh, I'm the guy who helped facilitate through the CWC getting money to increase the number of buses two years ago. It was our group of elected officials, and they they all work extraordinarily hard um, on this particular topic. But we facilitated some additional funding to help increase the frequency of buses in the canyons, both Big and Little Cottonwood Canyon. I think they run about every 15 minutes now, and I've ridden that bus a lot. I have my favorite little parking spot, and I'm not going to share it with you because they all disappear too quick. But it's not as much fun as it would be as if it was in a gondola. I'm not looking forward to a bus ride. I think I would look forward to a gondola ride or perhaps a train ride if that was the case. Um, it's just a little more enjoyable. I think one of the people that I really respect called it an experiential enhancement. And I've used that a lot. I don't even know if it's a word, but it sounds really good. And it describes how you'd feel gliding up the canyon without any G-forces or danger. One of the big items for me is that both Snowbird and Alta have said, um, and this goes back to my CWC federal legislation days, they've both told me in writing that if the gondola gets built, they will put a conservation easement on all the property they own, not including Grizzly Gulch that's a hot. that's a, that's a hot topic. We don't want to talk about that but all the rest of their property, Toledo, Cardiff, Flagstaff, Superior Peak, They'll give us as the public a conservation easement on that property, preserving hundreds and hundreds of acres uh, from being developed in the future. That's watershed. It's iconic, and we should save it. That's the brass ring. That's what I want.
0: You're listening to Last Chair, the Ski Utah podcast. We're with Chris McCandless today talking about the proposed gondola going up Little Cottonwood Canyon. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with Chris and Last Chair. Wow, just a fascinating plan that actually seems a lot more realistic as I talk to others around Utah. Stay tuned for more in the coming year or so. In case you hadn't heard, it's truly been dumping snow here in Utah the last month. Seems like every few days is yet another big powder day. And isn't that what we're all here for? Well, the St. Regis Deer Valley has been ready for it with the opening of its new slopeside Yurt Village. Each yurt offers a private dining or après opportunity for up to eight guests. So even when it's snowing, you can enjoy a wonderful lunch, lunch, Opry Ski Experience or Dinner, all of its slopeside at St. Regis. Each yurt is individually themed based on the Olympic events held at Deer Valley in 2002. The yurts feature intricate mahogany latticework, a plexiglass stargazing dome, and windows overlooking the snow-covered Wasatch Range. They offer radiant heat and have a great rustic feel. Make a reservation today for lunch, opre, or dinner. You can reach them by skis on your way down to the Mountaineer Express or take the fun funicular railway up from Snow Park Lodge. The five-star St. Regis Deer Valley is known for many things, but its Remed Spa is well worth a visit. The spa offers state-of-the-art face and body treatments where professionals utilize holistic and ancient healing arts. Think about a spa day at St. Regis to relax and renew. If you've just experienced a day of powder skiing, you'll be ready for the Remed Spa. This season make the St. Regis Deer Valley your choice for an unforgettable experience. Now let's learn more about the Little Cottonwood Gondola from our last chair guest, Chris McCandless. And we're back now with Chris McCandless. Chris, you had talked about the system of the gondola going from Lakai up to Snowbird and, and on to Alta. Many of us have been on gondolas. There are a number of gondolas around the state. But the design on this one, this 3S design, is different. Can you tell us what that is about?
1: So the 3S system, first, 3S is an acronym for three cables. It's primarily a European country or European a manufacturer, and because you have three cables, it increases the stability. The stability is absolutely critical because you're carrying 32 people. Uh, You have a hull cable, and then you have the other two cables that um, wheels roll along. And what that means is that a lot of folks are worried about wind and being shut down and emergency evacuations, but on a 3S Doppelmayr gondola system, they can sustain winds of up to 80 miles an hour. That's extraordinarily rare in the bottom of the canyon, and it's not likely that that would ever happen. The second part of that safety scenario is that the gondola, if it was to break down or lose power or somehow not be able to function, they can lower all of the cars back down to the base station and just offload them there without any significant Emergency evacuation, I know a lot of people are familiar with the old gondola at Park City. We used to have to practice gondola evacuations with ropes, and that was actually really fun. But um, that's not something that would happen with these newer systems. are staggeringly amazing uh, with their heated seats and their heated windows, Wi-Fi in every, in every car. They generate electricity going up and down the canyon from the rolling wheels on the cables and they're all ADA accessible, they are, it would be an exceptional ride.
0: You are a backcountry user. You backcountry ski, you resort ski, and you hike, and you utilize that canyon. Having a gondola is an additional thing in the canyon, but for you as a backcountry user, what's your perception of that? How do you look at this?
1: Struggle with it in some aspects, but And that aspect is is I want to be the only guy in the canyon, period. You guys are all messing up my pal. And so that's not realistic, of course. I am one of the people who have created the problem where there's so many people and there's so many backcountry skiers. We have to do something. And so the choices between buses, which, quite frankly, I don't believe can solve the problem. Um, It doesn't check all the boxes. A train is also being studied, which is not a bad idea. It just costs twice as much money. It's about a billion dollars, which means the cost of riding the train will be twice as much and decrease the rider participation because the cost is prohibitive. And so from my perspective, and it's a ground-based structure so that avalanches, there are 64 avalanche paths in Little Cottonwood Canyon. And adding a bigger road and more surface transportation without a secondary emergency access, which a gondola provides, we don't really solve the problem. And so I don't like the big towers just like everybody else. I'd rather see it just stay pristine. That's not what we get to work with. We're going to double the population in the next 30 years in the Salt Lake Metropolitan Statistical Area. And when that happens, if we don't have a solution, we will destroy Little Cottonwood Canyon because people are going to go there. We need to have a system in place where we can control how many people get up the canyon. And with a gondola, you just stop loading people when they reach that capacity. And the capacity has been talked about a lot. And, And sooner or later, somebody has to decide what that capacity is. It's not part of the study for the EIS, and it's actually a job for the Forest Service. And I believe there are people that will take that topic by the um, horns and figure it out. And it needs to be someday, because we can't just keep loading more people up there. But for today, let's solve the problem that we have at hand. And it's a problem. It's staggering, seeing the number of people that are going up there. And We need to get rid of some of the cars and surface transportation. So we get to pick one of three options, buses, trains, or gondola. And I believe by far the gondola is the best choice to be able to solve the transportation problem Little Cottonwood Canyon.
0: Right now, the provider that you're looking at is Doppelmayr, which is an amazing global company. Interestingly enough, has its North American headquarters right here in Salt Lake City. This technology, I'll call it that, is in place in many places in the world. I believe the peak-to-peak gondola at Whistler-Blackcomb is a, a right. 3S design. Have you had a good partnership with Doppelmayr in looking at the possibilities here?
1: You know, Doppelmayr, and I can't say enough good things about them. Um, I like the fact that they're um, headquartered here in, in Salt Lake County. I like the fact that they presently have 110—I think it's 110— Lift systems operating in this area. There, there are neighbors. They're employed. He, they employ people here. Uh, I find that very appealing to me. The Doppelmayr system that I like a lot just opened up, in, um, they call it the Eiger connection in Europe. Yes. Uh, tremendous videos on construction, operation, and what it does, and it's the same exact system that we're talking about here. And and you see those videos of how they're moving people quietly, effortlessly, and it's a positive um, has a positive impact on reducing by a significant level the um, emissions from carbon-based vehicles going up the Kang. And our studies show emissions uh, will be reduced by 56% using the gondola. Protects our watershed. It's the least disruptive system in our canyon from a construction perspective because there's already a road there. We don't have to build another road to get to the gondola for maintenance. We just use the existing road.
0: It's an interesting example with the the Eiger lift that that is a region in Switzerland that is just quintessential combinations of mountain transportation systems with train, cog rail, tramways, and, and and now this development. So it's a it's it's a fascinating look at what you can do to move people effectively and around a mountain area with real concern for the impact on the region itself.
1: You know the coolest part about the entire system and all these pieces that seemingly just kind of came together. I mean, we've been talking about fixing the canyon for four and a half decades. Oh, a long time. We need to get something done now. We've talked a lot. But one of the parts that I really like is our trail systems going into the base station. We want to extend the Bonneville Shoreline Trail and bring trails in from Sandy and Cottonwood Heights and from our immediate neighbors and put it right through our project so people can ride their bicycle to the gondola station Or just walk. It'll be an absolutely staggeringly beautiful walk just to get to the Gondola base Station and then take that up the canyon. Quite a date night, I would say, but, you know, I'm a romantic
0: at heart. This is a really fascinating project, and of course with any project like this, especially one on this scale, uh, you wonder what could the timeline be? Is this something that we can see in the foreseeable future? And I know this also weighs into the decisions that will be made by various agencies to choose which one of these methodologies they will go with. But what is a potential realistic timeline for the implementation?
1: So first, I'm an optimist. So my my schedule would be optimistic. But Utah Department of Transportation is going to release their draft of the EIS preferred choice. Now, that'll be buses, trains, or gondolas. I'm not sure which one it'll be. I know it'll be one of the above, and all of the options would be better than what we have now. And so I'm excited to see what they're going to print. As I mentioned, my favorite is the gondola, for those reasons already stated. That'll happen sometime this summer. Once that has happened, then they'll have another... Round of public comments. Now, the last public comment, this is a pretty hot topic, right? The last public comment period they had, they had a record number of comments 6,521 comments. I read every single comment. Absolutely brutal. It took me weeks. But then what I did was I said, all right, so are people saying we want the gondola, we want the train, and we want the bus, or we don't want anything? And of the 6,521 comments, almost 4,000 people said, we like the gondola, period. And it wasn't even close by comparison to any of the other options. And I thought that was kind of telling. People want something to happen. They want it to happen now. And a lot of the comments said just that. We've talked about this for decades. Let's get something done. And so that's my hope is that in this next round of public comments coming up this summer, that that'll be the driving force. Let's get something done now to solve the transportation problem. Once that's happened, then UDOT will make a final decision on their environmental impact study. They'll record what they call a record of decision. I think that's the proper term. And then um, they'll have made their decision. At that point, then it goes, I believe to the Utah State Legislature to figure out funding for whatever alternative it is. It's going to be expensive. Buses and bigger roads going to be $500 million. The gondola, I believe, is going to be about $400 million. I think there are some ways you can save a little bit of money. The train is about a billion, $1.05 billion. And so whatever that is, we got to fund it and figure out ways to fund it. Um, next legislative session would be the hope. I don't know if that's realistic, but that's the hope. When that's completed, Doppelmeyer's told me they could have the product finished, constructed in a two-year period. And so if you add all that up, 2025, 2026, you know, we could have been part of the solution to the problem.
0: One more thought before we get to just a few fun questions to close. You grew up in Little Cottonwood, you're a hiker, you're a skier, you've climbed up on the rocks. If you look into the crystal ball for 50 years from now, what do you want to see in Little Cottonwood Canyon?
1: Right off the top, my my number one priority, preserve Superior. 50 years from now, that's all privately owned property. And I think we have the opportunity to, as a community, embrace a solution that's embraced by those landowners and they've made a commitment. I want to see Superior preserved. I really don't want to see ski lifts and other improvements on the north side of Highway 210, other than what's already there. And quite frankly, as a backcountry skier, I go up there nowadays, and there's moguls up there because we've got so many backcountry guys up there skiing. We have moguls in the backcountry. That's pretty That's pretty amazing, actually. But And so I can't even imagine that as a developed site. I'd love to see that preserved. Secondly, I'd like to see a structure where um, transportation is used as a means to an end and not as a means to get to an end. And so I'd love to see more of a European-esque element. Let's get as many cars out of the canyon as we can and, and still allow people to enjoy this phenomenal resource. I don't want my grandchildren or my great-grandchildren not to enjoy the same experience I had, although I really don't want them putting their thumb out at nine years old and hitchhiking up Little Kyle king and on their brother's stolen bindings, right, to ski. I'd rather, I'll just get them some skis and a bus pass or a gondola pass, but I want them to enjoy this place we call home, period. And, and it's up to us to do it. If we don't do it, and I'm, I'm worried that it'll fail. Chris, thank you so much for sharing
0: your vision on this. We're going to wrap up this interview with a section that I call Fresh Tracks, a few simple or hopefully simple questions for you just to learn a little bit more about you. And I have to tell you, uh, as I did my research to learn more about you, I have to ask you, how often do people say, are you the dude in Into the Wild by John
1: Krakauer? No, that guy's dead and I wasn't resurrected, but I have the same name. Uh, When I was a ski patrolman in Park City, I had some friends that asked me when I came back to do my recertification, they looked at me in the crack hour book, came out and said, hey, aren't you supposed to be dead? Uh, I'd like to get a little more credit than that, but I get that comment quite a bit. And a lot of people will ask me, say, well, was that story true? I thought you were dead. And I'm going, different guy,
0: obviously. That's funny. Yeah.
1: Uh, Your favorite Utah
0: resort ski run?
1: Oh, God. That's a tough pick. And you're talking resort ski run. In
0: the resorts. We're going to ask you backcountry next.
1: You know, if it's got pow on it, if it's a powder day and I'm first tracks, I want to come off the tram because I get 3,000 vertical. My favorite Silver Fox. Pop back down to McDonald's going down through Mock um, Snell. I love Mock Snell from the top, top to the bottom. Kind of a long haul to get there, but it's worth it. And lots of great big moguls on A foot and a half of powder. We were there last Saturday with a billion people. I was the first one on the lift and got fresh tracks on a foot and a half of powder. And it was the lower Moxnell section because that's the only place that it was open. Uh, It's outstanding. I could, I don't know how you pick, it's like asking somebody, how do you, who's your favorite child? Right. Yeah, but you gave us an awesome run from the tram. Yeah. It's perfect. That's a great, that's a great way to ski. If I'm if I'm in the back country, I'm I'm just not going to tell you. I got too many friends out there. there. There there's way too many tracks in the back country. But I ski a lot in the la Sal area down back country down by a cabin that we own, and I can get about 800 vert, and I can sit and farm my tracks all day long, and nobody else shows up. Oh, that's my favorite run, back country. I think.
0: And I hear you have your own piston bully down there.
1: I do have a snowcat, so when I get tired and I don't want to earn the turn, um, I'll take my snowcat at night. I have a, We'll put in the Doobie Brothers or Boston or some old guy rock and roll, right? And me and my wife will ride around in the snowcat, and we'll groom the roads in our community up there. Next day, we'll take our snowmobiles, and I'll, I'll hitch a ride, and we'll just do laps. I'll get a ride on the back of a sled or get towed. We get about 800 vertical feet. And it is, I call it righteous backcountry skiing, but I'm cheating because I'm not really earning the turn. I'm on the back of a snowmobile, and it's really fun. And you just do lap after lap after lap, and there is nobody there. And so you get that really secluded experience. And it's with family, and that makes it even more special.
0: So who is your favorite old guy rock band?
1: (sighs) Wow. Well, Eagles is, you know, if I'm picking, uh, Doobie Brothers, I love Eagles. Um, when I was a city councilman in Sandy, I asked uh, Tom Don, I says, I'm going to support this because I know it makes sense financially, which it did. It's way off the topic of gondola. And I said, the only thing I really request is that we get Ingles, the Eagles to play a concert at Rio Tinto Stadium in Sandy, and we did. And it was a great day. It was a great concert, but... So eagles, I would say, are probably my favorite rock band of the any
0: day. I think that was one of my early concerts growing up in Wisconsin. Uh, fun activity you and the family enjoy outside of skiing.
1: Fly fishing. Really? Yeah. Wintertime we're skiers. Summertime we're fly fishermen. My wife doesn't fly fish much. My daughter, my son is... An avid, his only goal in life is to outfish his dad or outski his dad, and that day's coming. But it ain't this day. You still outski him? Still outski him, and I still outfly fishing. Much to his chagrin, he's proud of me, and I'm proud of him for trying. But once in a while, he can show me up.
0: Right on. Last question: When I ask all of my last chair guests, groomers, moguls, glades, or powder
1: in that or in in appropriate order what's
0: your preference Preference, you don't have to rank them
1: just well i can rank the top two for sure it's powder first always because i'm 65 and and um second i still ski bumps love moguls that's where i grew up at snowbird and alta and moguls in back in the day was where it was at connecting the line you know i don't
0: ski moguls i don't like to ski moguls very few people pick moguls, and I'm glad to see that you did. Shannon Barkey, a two-time Olympic moguls medalist, didn't pick moguls. Wow. But you did.
1: Yeah. Powder and mogul with powder on it is the, that's, that's the top. That's where it's at. You get a face shot at the bottom of every bump. Um, that's, where the, and that's what it was last Saturday. Foot and Avenue pow on moguls was pretty outstanding skiing. Chris McCandless, thank you for joining
0: us on Last Chair from Ski Utah. We love your vision and hope that you can help to bring that concept to Little Cottonwood Canyon.
1: We shall keep trying. Thanks for having me on.
0: What a fascinating guest. Thank you, Chris McCandless, for joining us on Last Chair. To learn more about the Gondola Project, go to SkiUtah.com and check out the podcast page with maps photos and links to more information as a skier or snowboarder you'll want to follow the progress of the project over the next year or so and check out the videos of other similar doppelmeyer gondola installations around the world thanks again to our episode sponsor saint regis deer valley enjoy yourself slopeside in the new yurt village or book a relaxing experience at the remed spa this season The Ski Utah Last Chair podcast is brought to you by High West Distillery. Follow our whiskey adventure on all social media platforms at Drink High West. And remember, sip responsibly. High West whiskey, 46% alcohol by volume. High West Distillery in Park City, Utah. In our next episode of Last Chair, we'll explore the new Woodward Park City, which opened a year ago. It's been a huge hit with the locals and visitors alike, and we'll be catching up with the legendary Jeremy Jones. Now let's turn it over to Pixie and the Grass Boys to close out this episode. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Kelly for Last Chair, presented by High West. Have fun. It's a great day to ski. Well, you can't ski and party if you don't ski and party, oh why?
1: can't ski and party until i can't ski and party no more